welcome to this new episode of the Smart and Sustainable City podcast. Today we talk with Christina Buetti, Councillor at the International Telecommunication Union in Geneva. Christina is the ITU focal point on environment and smart and sustainable cities. When the United Nations defined its sustainable development goals in 2015, one of these goals was to set focus on cities. The SDG 11 makes cities and human settlement inclusive, safe, resilient and sustainable. Christina is leading the United Nations work for smart cities from an IT site in a program called United for Smart and Sustainable Cities. This program is hosted in the ITU and supported by 15 other UN agencies, including the UNECE, which we featured in a previous episode. The ITU and Christina have been a key driver to enable progress against the goals set in this SDG 11, helping over 150 cities around the globe define their plans and verify their progress towards becoming smarter and more sustainable. Okay, let's see if you too can take advantage of this global movement. Hello, Pierre. My name is Christina Buetti, and I'm currently the ITU focal point on environment and smart sustainable cities, which includes leading the work of the United Nations United for Smart Sustainable City Initiative from the IT side. Um, I joined the ITU in Geneva, actually, in 2004, have been based uh, here ever since. Um, the ITU uh, is the United Nations Specialized Agency on on ICTs and uh, well it has been really uh, a pleasure to work here in Geneva uh, which is an excellent hub for international organizations, UN agencies and, and others like so working to advance really smart sustainable cities worldwide and you know it, it, it is great to be here in the middle of the action so to speak. You're talking about uh, United for Smart and Sustainable Cities. How did that initiative start in the United Nations? The initiative itself was launched in 2016. And at that time, there was really a need to have a sort of common global platform where UN bodies could interact directly with cities, but also with other stakeholders in order to have cities to become smart and more sustainable. It is also an initiative which aims to find concrete solutions by employing global best practices and expert guidance. And also, it really helped cities to be better prepared and more resilient, especially in a post-pandemic world for all citizens. So the idea to have this initiative, which is really open to all, was certainly uh, a common need, which you know, it was considered important in 2016 and it is considered more important now. Well, we know that cities really are facing increasing negative impacts and pressures on multiple fronts. 2016, that, that is synchronized with the Sustainable Development Goals announcement that were made, I think, in 2015, right? Yes, indeed. Actually, that the main objective of the EUFRSC is indeed actually uh, to help achieve Sustainable Development Goal 11, um, that focus specifically on cities. 
And, and that is why, you know, from the IT perspective, we do believe that certainly this initiative is, you know, is an excellent platform that can be used by city stakeholders, but also by city representatives to find answers to some of the uh, pressing challenges and needs that they have to face. I think that, you know, cities comprised 3% of land, but consume 78% of the world energy, produce 60 to 80% of GHG emissions, and are responsible for 50% of global waste generating, including a rising amount of e-waste. But cities are also, you know, in you know, innovative hubs. They are the place where we live as citizens. So you know, in a world uh, where, you know, estimates shows that uh, uh, 2.5 billion people will reside in cities by 2050, um, you know, the, the proportion is also expected to reach 68% of the global population. So cities have a major role to play. And this uh, Sustainable Development Goal SDG 11 says that its purpose is to make cities and human settlements inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. And, and you were talking about sustainability and resiliency. And this is not just for large cities. It's, as SDG uh, states, also for human settlements. So your mission is really a global coverage of this SDG and at all sizes and shapes and forms of cities. Oh, yes, indeed. Actually, we know that there are over a billion people that still live in slums or informal settlements, and uh, close to two billion people worldwide, many of whom are in cities, do not have access to waste collection services or, you know, waste disposal facilities. So, you know, it's it's clear that the climate emergency and, and the slow uh, progress towards sustainability are two of the biggest challenges that cities face, uh, which also go hand in hand with rapid urbanization and, you know, and taxing effects on cities. So I, I believe that, you know, now more than ever, especially with all cities and I would say all citizens <laughs> confronted with, you know, large scale events like the outbreak uh, of COVID-19, you know, in a way has exacerbated these problems and certainly, uh, you know, cities urgently need to be more sustainable and climate resilient, especially if we want to be back on track to achieve the, the UN SDGs, the Paris Agreement, the ITU Connect 2030 Agenda and other urban sustainability and climate objectives. In terms of stakeholders uh, supporting this initiative in the United Nations, there's obviously ITU, but there are other organizations that join ITU to enable this SDG 11 effort. Absolutely. I think that it would be impossible for one organization <laughs> alone to achieve uh, SDG 11. This is really a concerted effort and, and ITU is very pleased actually uh, to work with many partners, with many cities, with many um, NGOs, government, industry uh, to, to achieve SDG 11. The importance of partnership, especially when we talk about achieving sustainable 
uh, development goals becomes crucial. Um, I don't think it is even imaginable, you know, to achieve the SDGs without having, uh, you know, strong partnership where we leverage on each other's expertise and we can build synergies together. Right. So that's is that why you called it United for Smart and Sustainable Cities is really that notion of partnership, not just of yeah. United Nations organizations, no. but also maybe academics, the private sector and the cities themselves, obviously. Yes, indeed. Actually, I think that you, you, you say it and, and United it really stands for working united. Um, building a city uh, or, you know, making a city smart and more sustainable, it's really a journey. So it, it's clear that this uh, goal cannot be achieved unless it is done in a stakeholder, multi-sectoral and, you know, multi-partnership way. Um, in, in this respect, the U4SC embraces this principle, embraces the principle of working together, uh, encourage CD also uh, to have a citizen-centric approach involving all stakeholders, so namely academia, namely uh, the industry, naming the global actors, the NGOs, and all groups that forms really uh, the cohort of the cities. In, in the past year, cities have been deeply affected by COVID-19, and I, I know that the United Nations has been looking at this very closely, also with some ITU partners, uh, UN Habitat and, and UNECE. What are your thoughts on the impact of COVID-19 on, on cities? Well, the COVID-19 pandemic has shown the world that we can no longer consider incremental uh, progress, the way forward, a sustainable, green, resilient and circular economic and environmental development must be accelerated. It has shown us also that behavioral shifts must occur on both the group and individual levels, with environment and sustainability put first. Um, unnecessary ways of operating that are cumbersome to these priorities must give way to a culture of effectiveness and efficiency in these priority areas through digital connectivity and the use of ICTs and digital technologies. So we, we have noticed that uh, the importance of, you know, supporting trans transformative solutions for our sustainable future and the transition towards a circular economy now um, are key priorities of cities. But we also have noticed that it is important to raise awareness on digital technologies and ICTs and the crucial roles that they can play you know, in ensuring this transitioning so that cities are able to address these significant global um, challenges. Several cities that have been confronted are actually being cities, actually the primary interface uh, with citizens. And, you know, there are great examples, for example, from the city of Valencia uh, that created a great 
portal that allows citizens to directly interact, ask information, and receive also information in real time. We have seen, for example, the city of Dubai that is working also a lot on, on prevention. There are really lots of examples, Singapore, you know, creating a sort of digital ambassadors so that they can really raise awareness and the importance of ICTs also after COVID. So all of these are just some of the examples of measures, activities and initiatives that have been put in place by cities. And there are, of course, many, many more. But that is certainly a testimony of the importance that digital technologies now have for cities in setting their own strategies. I don't think that the same could be said, you know, a few years ago, where certainly ICTs were part of the strategy, but now they are really on top of the list. Uh, ICT really can be a contributor to improving the quality of life in, in cities, Yes, yes, certainly, you know, it's clear that uh, ICTs have really a great uh, potential um, in, in terms of delivering services to citizens, in terms of actually even um, improving or enhancing the citizens' participation in decision-making processes, for example, through open data, uh, crowdsourcing and digital portals. We have seen that now more and more health services are also made accessible and widely available uh, thanks to ICTs. And not to mention also the great potential that ICTs has in, for example, reducing uh, traffic congestions, for example, with optimized routes for public transportation and public spaces. So there are plenty of examples of now how ICTs are really improving citizens' life. And I think that now COVID-19, I believe that has really certainly provided a great opportunity to show how ICTs are important, you know, for people. And in bridging that digital divide that many in cities, whether they are citizens, visitors or migrants, feel. And increasingly, public services are available in an electronic format and ICT can help bridge that digital divide not just in cities, but also in human settlements. Definitely. I, I think that ICTs really, they're going to help both. You know, it's it's not when we talk about cities, I think that at least in the IT's perspective, we, we really include the um, human settlements, we include communities, we include, you know, that's really a broader definition. And it is also clear that bridging the digital divide is key, uh, you know, is a key important goal, which becomes, you know, even more important, especially uh, for rural areas or, you know, marginalized um human settlements that definitely uh, faced even greater challenges. I know the, the ITU and, and your group are, are also contributing to the norms and the thinking around uh, the Internet of Things and, uh, and 5G and, and, and the follow-on telco technologies. All of those are, are key components, uh, you feel, to making those cities and human settlement more inclusive and resilient and sustainable? Uh, yes, well, ITU's efforts are focused on really on ensuring that all citizens benefit from the positive outcomes that greater smartness and sustainability bring. 
so uh, from from its work on creating uh, renewed uh, international standards on on the technology deployment evaluation and smart sustainable cities so for example ITT study group 20 which is the lead standardization group comprising over uh, 250 experts, um, you know, ranging from policymakers, industry representatives, academia, and cities. Um, they really work together to develop standards that can can improve citizens' life, and I would say also citizens' experience enjoying services which are being provided by cities, especially now with new emerging technologies like the Internet of Things or digital twins or we know big data, uh, there are great opportunities actually to leverage on those uh, emerging technologies to improve uh, a citizen's life. And, and that's why, you know, ensuring that the, the ITU can really perform this task, not as really as a group of uh, committed people that works to develop standards that provide really the best responses to cities. It's something that I very much enjoy as part of my work serving as counsellors of this uh, study group. And the beneficiaries in in the cities are really the citizens, but, but also the organizations that make that city more livable, such as education and uh, healthcare and emergency services. You, you did talk about standards and, and framework, and there is always on one side the opportunity that technology represents but also sometimes a fear from citizens around ai around new uh, telecommunication technology around uh, the internet of things are these part of the discussions how to balance the the benefit versus the fears or the questions that citizens might have it is clear that you know technologies uh, they they really hold a great potential to improve people's life, but this is also important to acknowledge the fact that some technologies you know they they also have some challenges, especially you know you mentioned it the artificial intelligence and all the considerations that come for example when when we think that uh, in a few years maybe some of the works that which are currently being carried out by humans might be carried out by robots or that might be automatized so that's certainly a, a fear for people to see uh, how certain technologies will affect their life. If we look at cities, we have also to consider the fact that when we put in place new technologies, we also have to be cognizant of, about the fact that uh, there are privacy issues that need to be respected. If I look, for example, at uh, classic cases like camera and surveillance uh, or the use of uh, AI for uh, uh, the recognition of faces, you know, which on one side, it could be a fantastic, excellent tool for police officers to prevent crimes. On the other side, we need to balance what it is really the security aspect with also what are the privacy aspects and the fact that citizens, they don't, they don't want to fail, actually 
living in a sort of big brother cities where 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 you are really controlled all the time anytime anywhere so there are all these considerations which i think are great challenges right now for policy makers and for regulators which they are confronted with a complete um, new reality and of course, mayors, likewise, you know, they, they have to balance the need to protect citizens with also respect uh, citizens' privacy. And, and that is really part of the overall discussion also taking place in the ITU. So when we do develop standards, we always, always, always take into consideration also privacy concerns. You know, we also promote the, you know, privacy by design principles, which are extremely important. And we also uh, raise awareness about the great potential of uh, uh, emerging technologies, highlighting also what, what are some of the challenges and, and work together to see how those challenges uh, can be overcome. So I think it is really important to acknowledge the, the really, uh, I would see like technology as a coin, you know, with the two faces and, you know, as an excellent, important tool to improve citizens' lives, but also taking into consideration the necessary measures that needs to be taken to protect also, um, you know, citizens' rights and privacy, which are more and more important. And if done properly, then it, it, it has a tremendous potential. I know your group is working on the different benefits of technology to make cities uh, and, and human settlements more safe and sustainable, you know, say, including disaster risk reduction and improving mobility, which is a big issue in, in, in many uh, cities. Uh, yes, I think that that the, the role of study group 20 it's very important in you know really providing the platform for these type of discussions and and most importantly uh, the fact that you know it it's a great place where policymakers can come discuss and you know work together to find the right solutions to some of the challenges uh, that they are confronted with Study Group 20 has developed many standards. Some of them, for example, they could be very technical. Some, they are more uh, policies oriented. Some, they are really practical responses. If, for example, if I look at the, you know, the series of standards on transforming uh, automotive emergency preparation and responsive with IoT, which is clearly a great response in terms of really on providing what are called the equals uh, emergency response. So as you can see, it's really a kind of practical tool that can be used. Um, there are other examples of standards that look at the maturity assessment of CDs, so provided a sort of long-term, medium, and short-term roadmap for CDs to be able to implement the necessary strategies and then do an evaluation and assessment through the key performance indicators. So these are all tools that are being used and and are being developed with one unique goal that is certainly improve people's life. And that really remains the great commitment that SG20 has. I see on your site that there are many uh, cities embarking on your program around the world. And you do have guidelines for cities to look at their sustainability to look at their contribution or improvement to their environment, the economy, and, and society. Uh, 
through what you call KPIs and a verification process to, to help cities actually improve, not to compare between themselves, but to improve on themselves. Uh, yes, indeed. Actually, the, the overall objective of the key performance indicator is not really to compare cities. It's not a sort of ranking, but it is actually a journey. It is a self-assessment tool for them to be able to track the policy measures that they have put in place uh, year over year and see the areas that needs improvement and in order to make uh, their cities smarter and more sustainable. So it is really an excellent tool which has been implemented so far by over 150 cities. It is an international standard. Indeed, it is actually recommendation ITT uh, Y.4904, which is really the standard used by cities. So that gives you also another important additional benefit, which is the the fact of using one unique international standards to perform the same measurement and, and gives them, you know, a fantastic tool for free because, you know, the standard is available for free to be able actually to put in place policies which are based actually on data. So they are not just innovative ideas that can come from a major mayor's cabinet, but it, it's really a great tool which is being embraced by many cities to shape their policies. And for us, uh, that remains really a great example for other cities, regardless of their size, geographic location, the economy, I mean, the financial resources they have. So whether they are big cities or small cities, for example, in Switzerland, there's a great example of Puyi. Uh, that implemented successfully uh, the UFRSC key performance indicators in a similar fashion as other big cities like Dubai, like Singapore, Moscow, Riyadh. And again, you know, you can see that the applicability of the KPIs, you know, it's possible for all cities worldwide. Right. And we interviewed actually the a smart city responsible person of PUI in a, in a previous episode. You mentioned some larger cities, PUI is actually a, a quite a small city. I think they have 12,000 inhabitants, but also in emerging markets and in growing markets, these indicators and this framework is available to everyone. I've seen lately Bizert also in Tunisia and in Norway, a number of cities. Yes, actually, indeed, uh, you know, for example, in Norway, these key performance indicators are being applied in 45 cities. Uh, so that that's really a big national project which Norway has decided to initiate using these KBIs as they were the measurement also and track the progress towards the sustainable development goals. So that, that is a, a unique project that Norway initiated. And then, as you rightly pointed out, there are really many cities worldwide, you know, that are implementing the KVIs and Bizet, Cairo One, Wells, for example, in Austria, are, you know, smaller cities that they have implemented these KVIs successfully showing greater leadership and for once i would say demonstrating clearly that not all big cities they can you know be involved in such projects but it's really for the cities that they have the willingness that they have the leadership and the capacity and especially that they think well, setting policies is a key strategic priority and that makes a huge difference christina buetti from itu thank you very much
thank you very much, Pia, for this opportunity to actually participate in this podcast. Thank you. If you want us to cover your smart city initiative, do reach out. Don't forget to subscribe to our Instagram and Facebook page. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on our next episode. <laughs>